Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. Welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast. Owen here in Dublin with Murph, who missed our preview show last week. Hey, Carol. Hey, Owen. How's it going? I'm sure you've caught yourself up, though. You'll be aware of what happened. Just like 1990s Swedish pop act Ace of Base, Ken saw the sign, but unlike Ace of Base, mm. it did not open up his eyes. A literal sign, in this case, of a rat on a shop front outside his apartment in Paris. Yeah, no eyes being opened here whatsoever. No, Ken is still in Paris. Uh, he wants to. Does Ken want to soak up more of the city? Is he too stunned by Real Madrid's victory to leave? Or just too afraid of whatever hell awaits him in Dublin Airport? Which is not a place you want to be at the moment by, uh, by the looks of things. Some of our World Service members were aghast that we spoke to Ken on the road on Friday without playing him in with his Littlest Hobo theme tune. So here you go. There's a voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, mate, that's actually my seat. What you think doesn't really matter. Seems an annoying to us. Walk away saying the word tosser. Well, what's next for you? What's next for Hadaway? What a boy you are. Oh, a fine morning in Paris, I'm sure, Ken. And Real Madrid, once again, of course, are champions of Europe. How are you feeling? Pretty good, Owen. Uh, it's a wonderful morning in Paris. The sun is shining. The birds are whistling in the trees. And most of all, the rats are scurrying absolutely everywhere. <laughs> the entire city has been over in the rats. And you think, you think I'm joking? Yeah, I presume you're just you're using the rat metaphor once again. No, Owen, I'm... Which we will retire after today, I should say, just in case anyone thinks it's, it's being... Over. But Ken did literally see a massive rat on the shop front outside his... near his apartment last week and still failed to see that Real Madrid are going to win. But you're, you're, there's actually a, a... What, there's a there's a rodent outbreak or something? There's a, there's a rat infestation. <laughs> it's... it's I'm, 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 Owen, I'm not kidding. Owen, there's rats everywhere. Did you... The, the rats even appeared on El, El Chiringuito. What? What? Are, are you serious? Have you not seen this? 
No. no. Oh, oh, come on. Play the clip. Play the clip. Pronto, muy prontito. Eh, ahí va, estoy viendo una rata. Carlos, una rata. ¿Eh? Un suelo. ¿Eh? ¿Dónde? Mira, mira, se ha visto, se ha visto. ¿Dónde? Visto, no visto, sí, sí, por el agujerito eso. Y lo pueden coger en VS. Cógela. Enfoca una rata, la gente está cerrando ahora, tú. Rata tú. Por favor, enfoca la rata, no enfoca una rata. No, pero no, por favor. Enfoca la rata. Rata tú. Rata tú. What is going on? Seriously, this is ridiculous. Look, that was before the that was before the fucking game, right? And and you know they obviously I don't think I don't think they appreciated the, the significance of the element that they were witnessing. I don't know if I've willed this entire thing into existence because something like that, something is going on like that with Real Madrid. You know, something is happening here. Like um, there's some type of magical force at play. I don't know. I don't understand what. I don't know what it is. But one way or the other, they've come here. This the the game got changed here. It wasn't meant to be here. Uh, you know the they weren't meant to be here. They didn't even want to be in the competition. They tried to abolish the competition. They tried to they tried to abolish the competition. Their fans were booing the anthem because they they don't want to be here, and uh, here they are winning it. Um, are, are are you saying that Real Madrid march with an army of rats like Dracula? No, I'm so, not. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm not. I'm is not that saying that because the, the guys in El Chiringuito seem as surprised as anyone. I'm just saying that somehow or other, some, something happened here. A lot of things came together uh, to 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 make that final that we saw last night. I was walking then through Paris yesterday afternoon, uh, and I was walking through the district the district of Châtelet, Châtelet d'Etat, and uh, I saw a playground, children's playground with a fence around it. And what was on the fence? Only posters saying. Posters about the rat infestation that's currently afflicting La Ville. The rats are everywhere, and and the and the poster was essentially seemed to be saying it was in. I think the poster was in Spanish. Actually, there must have been one in French, and one, I guess there was probably one in English somewhere. But it was saying basically, don't. I think it was sort of saying, don't throw food or rubbish around where the where the rats are going to get it, and it will only increase their power in numbers. You know, and that's no way. That's no way to talk about giving the ball away to. Tony Crowe was in midfield. Can no, well, I, I had to go over and, and take a photograph of this post, which was on the fence. But of course, I created the impression that, that I was sort of lurking by the fence and taking a photograph <laughs> of the of the children, you know? Oh. Like, <laughs> you know, the parents in there are like, sort of, who, you know, who is this man with protuberant eyes trying to peer, <laughs> peering in and trying to take a photo of my children? No, I'm just uh, really interested in rats. It's for a motif for a podcast. Just the, just the poster. And I walked down a little further... You know, I, I ended up on the Ile de la Cité. You know, the the um, of course uh, the Seine there, as, as you know. It's, it's it, in fact it's the same place where that uh, El Chiringuito clip was filmed because they're just in front of Notre Dame, which is a little bit further down from the Conciergerie, 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 Conciergerie. I'm, I'm not sure which of those two it is. It's a big, uh, a forbidding old fortress and uh, law court. Uh, when suddenly, uh, my friend, he's a friend of yours as well, I'm Jonathan Wilson. Said, look, it's a rat. I said, where, where? Oh, there he is. And I tried. To, I ran over trying to film the rat, but the rat, sc- <laughs> the rat scuttled away underneath. It's, it's surprisingly difficult to film a rat with a phone. You have to put it on the wide. I, I realized yeah. later, but the rat scuttled away under a thing. And they go, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one here. And so there's a second rat. And I tried to film that, but I ran towards it, looking at it with my eyes rather than pointing my phone at it. Uh, so I got a, the tiniest flash of it. And then turning around, uh, there was a third rat running again. And, and I thought to myself. I really should get off this island because this is it's Sunday evening. 
this is pretty quiet and there are more rats here than human beings <laughs> and the last time i read about a situation like that was in james herbert's james herbert's book his shocking pulp his lurid pulp horror the rats and i thought to myself no it's you know it's time for me to uh, it's time for me to go to bed to retire and, uh, and that's what i did i went to bed and um and that's why i'm here so fresh uh, so fresh talking to you this morning wow. from Paris, and again, I have to say, what a beautiful day it is. I, 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 this is this is too good to be true, but it is. It's just one of those one of those special moments, Ken. Miguel and Jonathan were, as you mentioned, chasing rats around Paris with you yesterday. So <laughs> you did talk football at some point, I'm sure. We'll play that interview after your report from Paris. Well, where do you start, on? Maybe I should start by asking you. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked you yet. What you making again? What did I make of the game? Compared to all the other rounds of the Champions League leading up to this, fairly dull. It was terrible, wasn't it? Compared to most Champions League yeah. finals, reasonably good. Uh, you know, it was, as in, it was competitive. It was a There was some dramatic game. tension. There was some, there was some Yeah, you had the, you kind of knew early on that, uh, that this Courtois thing was going to be an issue. We didn't know until yeah. after the game that Courtois had so many scores to settle with the British media. But oh, we, amazing. <laughs> we did but know it's, that but it's he was incredible, on isn't it? Like, what? what? Like, okay, well, I don't mind Thibaut Courtois, you know, wherever he wherever he finds the feel, you know, if he if he, he needs the feel, wherever he, wherever he finds it, fair enough. But I I just didn't get what he was talking about. I was like, was Thibaut, Thibaut Courtois really disrespected when he played it? I mean, I, I think there was a little bit when he left, when he was like, oh, I want to leave. Um, the, the Chelsea fans sort of reacted a little bit against his like obvious disinterest in their club. You know what I mean? That was that was maybe an issue. But the main thing, the main disrespect issue I can remember involving Courtois. I mean, I'm sure you you would think of exactly the same incident as I have in my head right now in his in his entire time playing in England. Is what is what? Uh, well, I I I thought Jordan Pickford when I of heard course yeah. Pickford Pickford literally has. People dressed up as dinosaurs watching him from the stand in every game. There's a, there's a guy in a Tyrannosaurus Rex outfit. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's a different guy each time. But they always try to get down close to Pickford's goal so they can be there behind waving their tiny arms at him. Because Thibaut Courtois said that I would have just... That goal that Yanis I scored against him in the World Cup, I just would have put up my long arms and plucked that one out of the air without my feet even leaving the ground. But that guy... Uh, you know, I'm 10 centimeters bigger than him. He was too busy throwing his feet in the air to catch that ball. And uh, <laughs> it's like one of the most withering things ever said by a goalkeeper against another goalkeeper. Because effectively he was saying, yeah, I mean, Pickford can't be that good because he's small. And, uh, you know, that's, there's not really, you know, as a goalkeeper, size matters. And uh, there's nothing really Pickford can do about that. Uh, you know, I feel bad for him. That was that, that was what basically Courtois said, and I just can't imagine anything more sort of disrespectful than that. Well, that Courtois was, says Courtois says he was he was. Uh, well, let's just hear what he said uh, on the pitch again, in case anyone missed it or is, is trying to refresh your memories. Today, I needed to win a final uh, for my career, for all the hard work to put respect on my name because I don't think I have enough respect, uh, especially in England. I saw a lot of uh, criticisms, even after a great season, uh, that that was not uh, good enough or whatever. So I'm just really happy and proud of the performance. Yeah, so the, 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 the put some respect on my name line, we all enjoyed that one. Afterwards, though, it must have been in the press conference or another interview, he said something about a magazine article that didn't put him in the top 10 Premier League goalkeepers or some nonsense. 
Have I imagined oh, no, this? Have. I've been looking it's at like, a lot no, of championships. No, no, no. Seriously, he said that. I think it was. I think it was four four two. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Yeah. But like, I mean, you know, you're it's really, a, you're really scratching around there to to find insults and to, to confected outrage. If ever I if ever I heard it on. It really, it really is. But you know, he it's it works for him. You know, whatever it is, and and you just it was one of those games where you kind of just knew he's not going to let in goal. Like he might let in a goal, but it will have to take the form of a ball to the back post that someone is able to tap into an empty goal that Kurt was nowhere near. Because I can't see the ball going past him. You know what I mean? If he can get it, he's going to stop it. So it has to sort of go around him. You know, there's no, there's no way that he's going to let in a goal. And I, I kind of started thinking that quite early in the game. And so did he, according to himself. Well, he had done an article he's, in advance uh, saying, talking about, remember, we mentioned it last week. He, did we mention it last week? I'm not sure we did in the end. Uh, um, but he was just basically talking about how great a goalkeeper he is. He is. Yeah. And he was right. <laughs> for, for a He's a great goalkeeper. He stopped Messi, Leo Messi. He saved the penalty from Messi, remember, in the in the round of 16. He stopped Grealish. Remember the save from Grealish that, that uh, you know, turned the game. Well, if Grealish had scored, City are now two goals up with, like, one minute to play in normal time in the tie. Instead of just one goal up with one minute to play. No, sorry. Sorry. City would have been three goals up <laughs> rather than two goals up. They were two goals up and ended up... Ah, Ray also would have found a way again. <laughs> well, it would have been, it would have been a hell of a, a hell of a, of an escape, uh, even for them. But you know, Courtois, um, you know, everyone's saying, you know, it's it's Benzema. Benzema's the man. Uh, you have to say that if I mean, it's impossible for a goalkeeper to win the Ballon d'Or. We know that now. Well, we don't know that because we haven't we haven't seen who who wins it yet. Um, but it's it's difficult for a goalkeeper to do more for a team. To win the Champions League than Thibaut Courtois has done. Um, as ever, the goal scorers get the glory, but we know the real score. Uh, yeah. It was it was all about Thibaut. Um, well, you compared him to, well, you compared him to Sergio Ramos in your Irish Times column today, and there's no higher praise than that coming from you. So forget about the Ballon d'Or. But I took you away from you. You you, you didn't think it was a great game, no? Some people, like, you know, there's there seems to be a general no. feeling it was pretty good, pretty good final. I didn't think no. it was, I didn't think I thought it was it was one of those games where you know one team has the ball and is and is sort of has all the shots and that and then the other team scores you know <laughs> one of those just one of, the, just one of those games <laughs> um you know Madrid like again you know I, I mean it's obviously there was there was people go oh uh, at Kenner these mentions and uh, I and actually these were the only mentions I was getting because the way I didn't just avoid getting any mentions is just do it. don't do any tweets for like weeks and weeks, <laughs> and uh, people just forget you exist. Um, but you know, the, okay, there was a few people going, oh, you know, you were wrong again, and I don't feel like I was wrong. You know, I feel that's that's I certainly one way of looking at it again. Yeah, you know, I feel I feel that the scoreboard was an illusion. You know. I feel like it was. I feel like it was an illusion, and uh, yeah, I, That's I feel a fresh that. Take. I feel that each time. <laughs> I feel that each time. You know, my my pre-match prediction has been borne out, even though Real Madrid have won. Apparently, defying my pre-match prediction. Um, you have to look deeper than that, you know. In each There's a lot case, of scoreboard journalists saying, out there, Ken. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. waking up this morning saying Real Madrid are the European Cup champions. You know, and like honestly, to those people. I mean, I just feel sorry for those people. No, I'm glad. I'm really glad that you that you see it my way because <laughs> in each in each instance, you know, they've been they've played against a team that's been better than them, uh, but they've managed to win uh, by hook or by crook, 
Um, and you know, you've got to you've got to say at the end of the day, they do take home the trophy. Um, no trophy for for Liverpool. Um, Thierry Henry, uh, he says, uh, uh, he says uh, we've said it so many times. It's about putting the ball in the back of the net. They have one on target and they score. Liverpool had a lot, but they faced Thibaut Courtois. Remember what I said in the semi? People don't give him the credit he deserves. He's one of the best keepers in the world. Well, I mean, people don't give him the credit. Apparently, Thierry Henry had seen the disrespect. Uh, he's one of the best keepers in the world and better than Aderson. I'm not sure why he mentions Aderson. <laughs> Aderson is like, what? I saw Aderson. I saw a photograph of Aderson on a roller coaster in, South, in, in Disneyland, South Korea with a bunch of Brazilian players. I saw that. They're yeah. all like, ah! You know, and here's the other side of the world. Thierry Henry is like, Doing a drive-by on him. <laughs> like what? And he's shown it tonight. I always say something. Don't talk before a final. Beat Real Madrid, then talk and say it was revenge and all of that. When you talk before a final, you have to win. That's uh, Thierry, no goals in finals, Henri. Uh, talking about Mo, one goal in finals, and that was a penalty, Salah. Uh, I think it's nine finals for Liverpool and one goal. Pfft, not too good. Sadio Mane uh, did score in the Champions League final in 2018 when they lost. But I don't think he's scored one since in a final, and I don't. And it looks now like he's not going to get the chance to score another because, if you saw any of the images from Liverpool's parade yesterday, uh, in which Jurgen Klopp was, I mean, this might be Klopp's masterpiece. I have to say, Jurgen Klopp's done a lot of things mm-hmm. in his in his career which uh, have impressed a lot of people. Um, but if he manages to actually. <laughs> to make Liverpool somehow feel good about what's happened here. <laughs> you have to say that's that's impressive. And he was absolutely giving it everything he could yesterday. I don't know if you saw any of this. Time. Let's play a little clip of Klopp on the bus. I mean, as he said at various points, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm, he wasn't drinking. He was just high on whatever chemicals it is that are in his brain, which is a slightly different composition from most of the rest of us. And uh, this is him trying to make uh, trying to make people feel good. And see see if it works on you, Owen. You have heard that you look at Champions League by the night before, and the people arrive here in the shape they are, in the mood they are, absolutely outstanding. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people think. You're, you're so big on the players enjoying occasions like this, aren't you? That's the biggest sign you can give to the world. So, we want to go to this great, but we didn't win the last two. And these people don't forget that. know exactly what the boys, what the shifter boys put in. Absolutely incredible. It's such a boost for everything what will come. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Ken, I would I'd certainly be feeling good if I was a Liverpool fan watching that. Well, I mean, three cup finals, no goals scored. I mean, you're talking about Mo Salah <laughs> and Sadio Mane. I mean... You're kind of picking on those guys. I mean, as a team, they've played three cup finals this year and haven't scored one goal on them. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Mm. Why? Why is that? I mean, uh, looking at looking. I mean, the main reason, I guess, on um, the other day was was Courtois. You know, it was like this guy is just this. This is what this guy is doing is is incredible. But you know, I still felt as though Salah particularly just didn't arrive in the game. You know, until. Until they were already losing, it was as though that sort of slapped them. It's like a you know bucket of cold water. You're actually about to lose here now. You better stop. You better stop snatching at everything that happens. You know, sort of. He was his control wasn't really there. His some of the things he did just, oh, you know, it wasn't. This was not 
a performance to, to, to grace a, a Champions League final, let's say. The run at the end of when Courtois made the great save, that was his, his one really good moment of the game, I felt. And uh, that wasn't enough, really. For Mane had, the, Mane had that shot, which Courtois saved onto the post in the 20th, 21st minute. And looked really good in the first half. Second half faded completely, you know, was exhausted. And, you know, at the end of it, you're, you're kind of like, well, he should have probably... Diaz didn't do anything, by the way. Signing of the seating. Signing of the seating. Signing of the season um, was what some people said about uh, Diaz. But <sighs> looked pretty lightweight against Carvajal. Um, who, who I don't think was worried about him all game. And, and probably stayed on the pitch too long. The... The, uh, the the big kind of question I would have for Klopp mm-hmm. after that game is why did you start so many injured players? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, um, you know, they, they obviously reckon Van Dijk and Salah were okay. Their injuries were minor. Fabinho, okay, he'd been sort of preparing for this for a long time. But Thiago, I'm sorry. I know, and, not- and you talk about this with the, with the guys in the piece, but it, it was very noticeable because obviously on TV there was a big kerfuffle about what's going on here. and It was, it was very noticeable in the stadium as well that there's something going on with Tiago and yet he still started. Mm. I mean, sorry, we knew during the week, obviously, that he was injured. And we, sure, we talked about it last week. An Achilles injury doesn't sound like the type of thing that normally just clears up over the course of a couple of days. Um, no. So they, th- there was a big risk that they only really decided for definite they were taking right before kickoff. Yeah, I think he just should have accepted this guy is not really in condition to start this game. But he, he was just reluctant to go in without him. And Tiago didn't justify that kind of um faith is not really the word um the 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 sort of the desperation that Klopp had to have him in on the team in the team was not justified by what he actually did on the field i mean he was okay but you know there was he was giving the ball away a lot there was, what what i noticed particularly was there was there was a couple of occasions when he stretched for a ball, Thiago was pretty good at intercepting balls that are sort of played across and passes that go near to him. He can kind of leap. He's got quite a good little leap with an outstretched leg to, to, to intercept a pass like that. And there was a couple of times he tried those moves and the ball just goes past his studs. You know, you're thinking if you were actually in, in you know, proper condition, maybe you stop that ball. I think that happened actually on the go. Um, was it one of the... Thiago uh, was definitely one of the players who was bypassed by, by Luka Modric. You know, Modric sort of had the ball and kind of takes it back a little bit before pa- playing it forward again. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm getting the incidents mm. mixed up. The goal, obviously, then was, was like a, an amazing moment, really. Because it was, so, it was sort of such a bad goal, but also it was quite interesting. Like, it's such a bad goal for such a big game to decide, to decide it. But it was, it was so interesting because of... You know the 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 way that it happened as this just this Alexander Arnold disaster. You know, I mean, he obviously didn't touch the ball, but like it was like, oh God, um, how could you not? How could you not have done something more than you did? I have to say that he wasn't the only person who was at fault. I mean, have you seen what Virgil Van Dijk did? Mm-hmm. Um, but he went over to sort of cover the left back position, the overlap. didn't he? Yeah, but he was. His effort to block the ball... I mean, the ball went through his legs, I think, from Valverde. Valverde hit this kind of quite unusual cross. Like, he like he hit it as hard as he could towards the back post on, on the ground. Um, and usually you're expecting that ball to get cut out. I think that's probably what Alexander-Arnold was thinking. The ball isn't going to make it all the way through. Oh, my God. How many players did it go, go past? You know, it just goes past Kanadi. But it, it goes through Van Dijk. He doesn't block it. 
And I think the reason is that Carvajal was was making an overlap. And so Van Dijk was kind of, and there wasn't anyone there to, to cover Robertson was, was behind Carvajal. So, um, so Van Dijk, rather than concentrate fully on Valverde and trying to stop him put the cross in, was thinking he's going to pass that to Carvajal, who, or he could pass that to Carvajal, who's going to come around the byline. And I have to, if I try to block this, I'm going to be unable to stop Carvajal if he makes the pass. And you can see then this, it's just, a, it's, it's a bizarre action from, from Van Dijk where it's like his effort to block the ball as it's played in is almost to sort of hunch his shoulders. And you're like, that's not going to block the ball. <laughs> like, you know, that's, you have to use your feet. Uh, and the ball comes across and, uh, yeah, and, and obviously the Vinicius is unmarked as, as everybody, as everybody had predicted. Huh? Yeah, well, that's all water under the bridge now because I saw Trent saying that he's having the time of his life at the parade yesterday again. So Klopp's magic yeah. is working on all, on all these guys. Well, Klopp, you know, Klopp was telling, was it zone, you know, um, I think they said something like, it's good to see a Champions League final. He's like, you'll see another, trust me, you'll see another. And so he's, you know, obviously it's happened three times in, in the last five seasons and he's he's clearly good at this, you know, getting a team through this competition. But that's still a kind of an extraordinary overperformance from Klopp. You know, even Real Madrid haven't been in the final since since 2018 you know what I mean you go through periods when it just doesn't happen for you and you know Klopp we can talk about Klopp's emotional intelligence as as for instance um, Don Diego Torres does and the emotional intelligence is obviously, is obviously great and he does have the ability to sort of say you know come on it's it's good and, and they did actually appear to be genuinely enjoying themselves but like Klopp's emotional intelligence was not getting minds to the Champions League final right you know he was the same he, he was the same personality, but like you need players as well, right? You, you, you need to have really good players. And for the last few years, Liverpool have had that. And now they're in a situation where Mane, one of their best players throughout almost the entire club period, you know, an, an, an absolute pillar of their team, a kind of a player who's, who's almost never been injured, a kind of a perennial fixture in their team, is leaving or wants to leave. I mean, he was like the the sad face at the at the parade. I mean, it must have been awkward for him. Um, you know, everybody knows that this. he sort of communicated his intention to leave. Was he enjoying it? Was he feeling, oh, maybe I, maybe I want to stay? Was it just embarrassment at sort of having to be there and meet everyone's eyes? Who knows what it was, but it didn't look like a positive emotion on the face of Sadio Mane. And he's probably not going to be around. Are you going to find a player as good as him? Well, good luck finding a player as good as him. Good luck finding someone who's as good as, as Mane. Well, they've already found Luis Diaz. Well, he needs to get a lot better before he's as good as Sadio Mane. I mean, Luis Diaz has got like a lovely loping style on the ball. And, you know, uh, has everyone everyone sort of likes the way he plays. But, like, he's got to kick the ball into the goal, you know, quite a lot more to, to come up to the sort of Mane levels. I mean, Mane is, is a, you know, people maybe think of him as a winger, but really he's a striker. I mean, I know he's been playing as a as a central player now uh, this season, which I have to say, you know, it's been good. Like, particularly the, the home game against Manchester United, uh, he played that brilliant pass to Salah um, and he scored a lovely goal and, and it worked really well. Um, generally, I'm not sure how well it has worked, though. You know, I, I always feel as though with Firmino, Firmino was better at bringing the best out of the other players. You know what I mean? He's Maybe that's likely to score himself, but... Understood. Particularly, Salah played much better with Firmino, sort of on, inside him, you know, in the, as the as the false nine, than he does with Mane. I know that they don't, uh, 
you know, they, they've never been personally great friends or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, so, so Mane is, Mane wants to leave. He's only got one year left on his contract. I mean, that's, it looks like they're not going to get a lot of money for him if they, you know, if he goes to Bayern, it seems to be the, the suggestion at the moment. Um, and then Salah's like, I'm not signing the contract. So he's going to leave, um, maybe for free, maybe again for a, for a lesser fee if they say, no, you've got to leave this summer because we can't lose you for free as well. And then you've lost to Salah Mane. Sorry, they're actually, that's your entire attack. That's, that was the, the kind of, that was the, the X factor that your team had. You know, it was like these two guys, they were the players who, who made your team so difficult to stop. I mean, not the only, you know, there's, there's other good players in the team, but they, you know, it's hard to think of two better players in that team than these two, right? And uh, and if they're not going to be around, then okay, you've, maybe you can replace them. This is the thing that Liverpool have been so good at doing, finding players, making signings that succeed. Obviously, the guy who's been in charge of that is also leaving, Michael Edwards. You know, he, he announced uh, last autumn that this was going to be his last season. Uh, so the sporting director is leaving. Now, how, you know, how much of a contribution he was making, I suppose, is something that can, can only be judged in the fullness of time. But in order for them to, to stay, to keep their position, which is to say, you know, one point behind Manchester City as the top team, well ahead of all the other teams, they're going to have to, again, reproduce this, like, the kind of... Um, you know, basically re redo what they did when they signed Mane and Salah. You know, he were players that were that people knew about. It wasn't like they kind of. It was the first time anyone had heard of them when they when they were paraded Anfield. But people maybe didn't spot the potential they had at the very top level. Liverpool did bought them for not as much money as like the top players were trading for at the time, and it turns out these these guys are actually two of the top players. And so for not a huge transfer fee, we've managed to be at the top of the game for five six seasons. And now they have to do that again. But that's not easily done. You can't guarantee that you're going to do that. So while it's possible, you couldn't bet on it. And then you've got other teams that are coming. You know, Manchester United always uh, have got a, or have got a new... I see Ralph Rangnick, mm. regrettably, isn't going to be part of that. Uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too they, worried about Man United, to be honest. But. Yeah, but what I, what I mean is, this is a team This is a team that's going to have, you would imagine, a renewed challenge, plenty of money. Newcastle, all the money in the world. Arsenal apparently planning to invest a quarter of a billion pounds. Now I believe that when I see it, but that's that's the talk, right? And then you've got all the usual. You know, you're not really scaring me here. If, got, if if I'm a Liverpool fan, you're not really scaring me. Here, well, Ken, you've I'm got sorry. well. I, I haven't. Sorry, I haven't even mentioned Man City, who have already signed uh, Haaland plus six goals in the in one one couple of Bertadores. Uh, Julian Alvarez. One couple of Liberalized like, matches. They've already you done say that. that again. One match. Sorry, six yeah, yeah, six yeah. goals in one game. Hat tricks in either half. Julian Alvarez, and he's the sub, right? That's City, and they're already like uh, incredibly powerful. So I would say things are getting more difficult, and that's why that's where the regret must come in. You know, I mean, after Klopp, uh, after Klopp has gone off to Ibiza or wherever he's going, and the players are sitting there in their you know private jets. Uh, going to where probably Dubai. I mean, let's face it. You know, they're sitting in in like a an eight star penthouse in Dubai by themselves. You know, on a on a big marble toilet, thinking, you know, we really should have won that game. <laughs> we really should have won that Champions League. Oh my God, I can't because they should have won. You know, they were the better team. Uh, they had, they you know they had most of all they had the chances, and they didn't do it, and they got done, and. Will they get the chance again? Maybe not. So, for me, Owen, a very depressing day for that team. 
and if Jurgen Klopp does manage to uh, to breathe them back, breathe the life back into them, and get the you know get their eyes shining again with with happiness and hope, that uh, he's an even better manager own than I give him credit for. Sorry, mate. Is there a Wi-Fi? I got bored of He knew why I had come. That's actually my seat. Wi-Fi workers. I don't know what you're talking about. We've actually just been told to sit anywhere. You want Wi-Fi workers? The seat numbers don't count. Hunt the hair and turn her down the rocky road and all the ways to double a mic for us. Okay, well, um... Unbelievably, as I join you in this place, you have literally been arguing about whether <laughs> whether Liverpool can be considered a truly great team. This is not a confected discussion. This is literally a discussion that you were just having. So, so I mean, can they be? Well, I mean, we started because I passed on a comment from a WhatsApp group from other journalists. Other other people are talking about this too. You're not the only ones. You're not the only <laughs> journalist talking about this. Um, well, ultimately, they don't have the trophies they that most truly great teams would have which is a series of either leagues or European Cups they've only got one each of the main ones but I mean my the argument I would keep returning to would be that Liverpool uh, a team constructed in a relatively normal it's a natural evolution uh, they would have three at least three league titles were enough for the fact they were up against a state club so that kind of just I mean this era of football has totally changed in that regard so it's so it's I mean it's why I was, <laughs> while not maybe going so far as to declare them great I almost think it's unfair to, just, to categorically say they're not great because the, the, the uh, circumstances are so strange now yeah but life isn't fair so <laughs> yeah I mean like, all, all things in life are contingent and context clearly matters this is clearly a really 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 good Liverpool team but I, I think the, the oddity of them is their great achievement is not what they've won, it's what they've come really close to winning. Just to stay in touch with this city is an amazing achievement. But I think to be a great team, you do have to win more stuff. And I don't think, you know, the, the, the obvious comparison, and, and yeah, the, the situation is very different, is Don Revy's leads of the late 60s, early 70s of... <laughs> amazing. What? No, it's just, it's just the idea of, a, of St. Jurgen Klopp's team being compared to Don Revy's leads just struck me as amusing. It's stylistically I mean they, they win the fair play table every year <laughs> they, there's no problem winning that like. stylistically they're very different but in terms of repeatedly I mean, this season particularly we're going deep in every competition I mean we're actually being within two goals of winning the quadruple which is an amazing achievement but slightly running out of steam at the very end and if if you just looked at the game on Saturday and if you looked just at the league season you'd say well they, they, they are really close and maybe it's, it's unfair to kind of downgrade them for that but the point is this season they have not beaten Manchester City in the league they've not beaten Tottenham in the league they've not beaten Chelsea in the league they've not beaten Chelsea in two cup finals and ultimately they're, 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 although they've come so close and although they clearly are playing brilliant football and although to do this on a net transfer spend of what 200 million quid over six years is astonishing given the other money being, being spent mm. their actual achievement is the equal of that of Arsenal 92-3 and yeah. nobody's saying a team with Steve Morrow 
John Jensen, Andy Linegan is one of the great teams. No, it's true, but but it is interesting because I, I mean I, I remember the Arsenal uh, Sheffield Wednesday you know double header of that year, and also how happy Arsenal were to win that mm-hmm. to to win the two cups. It was that, that was a really good season for Arsenal. And now it's just like, oh God, we, we, you're telling me we have to do a prayer. Oh, Jesus Christ. But that, that, that's, that is how football's changed. And, and Miguel's right. That, but the, the point like, for, for Liverpool, okay, they beat City in the Cup semi final. Admittedly, a City team wrestling a lot of players, but beating City in that game, great achievement. But the fact that they breezed past uh, Nottingham Forest, Norwich, Shrewsbury, and. Ah, nobody, re- nobody remembers the Cup, bro. This, this is irrelevant. It was Cardiff? Yeah. I have remembered it. Give me credit for that. Okay. Um, Not many people would. They, 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 yeah, so what? You know, they, those are games that they should stroll through. But I mean, yeah, okay. The one thing I think that puts such a kind of negative note on now, and that will actually kind of colour at least the current the cycle of this team as as we start to see change with Mane expected to leave now, is that most of it, most of their success or the perception of how good they are is based on basically overcoming things mm-hmm. and as, as Jonathan said they're kind of you know, pushing City so close or like say what happened in Barcelona the, you know the point re- record in, in 1920 but what's so frustrating about last night was that they're it's basically the first time I can remember a Klopp side like that or this Liverpool Klopp side while they've been what he's put this team together losing a big game like that that they shouldn't have yeah. lost that, that's what that was it was so more so whereas previously they've overachieved this is a wasted opportunity this is bad underperformance because they should beat Madrid why, and, why do you think they shouldn't have lost the game well because I think they're a better team than Real Madrid and, and, and there's an implicit acknowledgement of that in the fact that Ancelotti basically sets up in as close as the modern game can be to a, a 1980s Trapassoni Calpnaccio or, or, or whatever Jonathan would say the correct the Gioco Italiano thank <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you only set up like that especially a manager like Ancelotti if you're acknowledging that the other team are better the first 25 minutes would suggest Liverpool are better but it feels like that once they didn't get that opening goal which was a little bit like both finals against Chelsea when they came out strongly not that they ran out of ideas but it wasn't the Liverpool the, this Liverpool team at their best no. as we've known them it was no I didn't get that it was like you know Klopp used the phrase in the press conference the day before I want, you know, I want us to be ourselves and I got the feeling that they weren't really Salah in particular took like an hour to play his way into the game and that's you can't you don't have an hour to play with in a Champions League final yeah that, that's exactly and also I suppose I, I think some of what Madrid did was also a consequence of how chaotic their games have been where as you say Ancelotti realised but we're not going to get any second chances in this match, so we, we better keep this tight. Uh, and even like Salah, his one moment, the run, which probably brought the best save of the game, that was, that was itself almost so like, we're not doing that as a team here, so we have to just go on my own. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think Klopp knows they've got this problem of breaking down good teams. I mean, you're no goals any of the three finals. Uh, 5.7 expected goals. No goals. Yeah. So are you like Cheerio, Sadio, uh, we're going to try and find somebody who can score in a final? No, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily to do with the, the forward line, but I think the, the, yeah, but the, the Tottenham game as well, the, the, there is just a sense that, brilliant as Liverpool are, 
when they can terrify teams by running at them and they can panic teams. When they're coming against teams who are actually pretty good on the ball, who are well organised, they do just lack a little bit of guile. And I think that's why Klopp was so desperate to have Thiago starting. And Thiago just wasn't fit. No, it was a mistake. Yeah. It was a, don't, don't play, don't play players who aren't fit. The thing was, we, you could see that. Literally every person in that stadium watching the warm-up was like, hang on, what, what's happened with Thiago? Why is he suddenly training by himself? Why is Cater moved from one group to the... From, you know, from a subs group to the starting group? So we knew there was a problem. And you know, how... I don't know, it seems to happen in Champions League finals. I mean, it happened a lot. The Champions League final, they won. Harry. Yeah, yeah, with, with Harry Kane. It happened with Diego Costa against Real Madrid. Um, for, for Atletico I, I, but I think if you're if you're that good and you got this far you can't be that line on one play you can't, you can't be England in 2002 kind of Michael with Yuri Geller and every cleric in the country <laughs> playing for Beckham's metatarsal yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the midfield was particularly disappointing I thought, which is you know a couple of them are injured but obviously the crucial moment in the game was the foretold the the, the image that the, the thing that everybody literally everybody the dimmest people prognosticating about a game I even I correctly predicted that this was a situation that might happen this is the this will be remedied and here we are here it's happening and he says before the game I see things others can't see <laughs> <laughs> everybody in the stadium he's the only person in the stadium who can't see Vinicius running in behind him and that's a, it's a disaster and I have to say okay it's, it's obviously it's a bad it's a bad perform. It's a bad moment in a performance. That kind of his performance was otherwise quite good, but surely at this point now, if you're trying to Alexander Arnold, you've got to spend the entire summer thinking, "I don't want to be a right back anymore. This is nonsense. I'm the main playmaker of the team. I shouldn't spend have to spend the entire game on a defensive tightrope, you know, where this kind of thing can happen at any moment and ruin everything. I should be free to do what I'm best at, which he said in that same interview." was, you know, to create sea passes and her teams. And that's not what a fullback is supposed to do. Well, I suppose there's a bigger discussion there about what a modern fullback is, which is, I mean, there's this argument now that they're actually the most creative players in football because that's where the space is. So it's actually natural to put them there. But of course, yes, it does be just be by virtue of where they play. It will create this issue. And it's, it's with City... With City and Liverpool, even going back to actually Guardiola's Barcelona, like if you look back to that 2012 elimination of Chelsea, what actually happened in that game? Che- Bar- or Chelsea exploited the space in behind Dani Alves. So if it, it feels like it's, 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 it's just one area in the game where there's always going to be space. Now, with Alexander-Arnold, I suppose, one of the debates of his career has been over whether he has sufficient awareness in that position, whether he's too... His abilities are too weighted towards attacking side. But this last night just felt even more basic. Like it, it wasn't a ball played in behind him. It was just a so basic lack of awareness. Because I mean, it's possible I, I missed it from just before. But from the from the replay I saw, he doesn't look back to where Vinicius is. Once. No, I don't think he does. But like he must be just aware by arithmetic that there's going to be somebody there. But he doesn't move. He doesn't move towards it. Like. That's exactly it. I mean, because you were sat almost directly behind me, weren't you? Uh, yes. And so that that was happening. You're right in front because we, we were to the left edge of a press box. So you, it was right in front of us. And I, I was sat next to Bonnie, Bonnie Rano from the Guardian, and we were, we were both going. He hasn't picked him up, Vinicius. He hasn't, he hasn't seen him. He doesn't know. He, where did he think Vinicius was? Like he must have noticed that bloke kept running past him all the time. Like where, where did he? And there wasn't a glance. So maybe he's got brilliant peripheral vision and did know he was there, but. I, you know, 
I, I don't think that's to do with being on a defensive tightrope. I don't think it's to do with his positioning or anything like that. Oh, I don't know. So, right. it's, it's to do with just a... I think it's a really basic lack of defensive awareness. Now, I, 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 I kind of... I think you accept the risk of him playing quite high up. Mm-hmm. And obviously he brings a huge amount to a team. Doing that 12 assists in the league this season... He, 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 by playing that high up, makes Salah a better player, although Salah has not played well since the Cup of Nations, really. Um, I think this is something slightly different, that he's just... You know, even, even if, say he was a right winger, who could end up tucked into that position covering, if he doesn't look at the player coming outside him, what is he looking at? What, I know Martin Keown bangs on about body shape being the most important thing. Mm. And whether his body needs to be more open so you could see... Yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, mean, I don't know enough about, about the mechanics of defenders to know if that's the case. Mm. But he, he's got to be aware that there might be somebody coming in behind him at the back post. And yeah. he didn't, didn't appear to be. So I don't yeah. think it has to do with the other things he has to do in the, in the side. I think it's just a... Yeah, he's had that mental block and he's... He's missed him somehow. But he has to, like, I mean, say your point about um, the fullbacks are the ones who have the space. That means that you need, in midfield, you need players who can play in tight spaces. Like, can they afford to leave a player that good out of that crucial area of the pitch? And I mean, I know that for, for like, for years, it has been the case that from Liverpool's point of view, the best place for him to be is right back because, uh, you know, They've, got, they've actually got midfielders who are doing a good job and he's doing a brilliant job at right back so it's best to put them but at, at the moment now you know Henderson is kind of maybe coming to the end a bit Thiago is you know can't really be relied upon to be fit um, Keita obviously you know he did, was doing anything rather than start Keita in that game um, and maybe that's a position that actually could be greatly enhanced by putting Trent Alexander-Arnold in there the one thing you would say and this is is Klopp, it mightn't happen this season, or sorry, the season to come, but certainly in the next year, given he signed a new contract, he probably has to now think about almost a Ferguson style, a second era of this team. Because as you pointed there, even beyond Henderson and, um, and, and Thiago, Salah's left his future open. He's, he's, he's only confirmed this every year. Mane, it looks like he's, as we said, he's, it looks like he's confirmed he's gone. That alone is going to require some sort of reshuffle. So I mean, maybe you will, but Alexander Arnold does offer a solution there. But I mean, the one thing I'd say about that is, and maybe he can do it. I don't know. Klopp obviously sees him in training, so we'll have a better idea than we do. And I presume in training, he does. You know, it must be five sides things where you see this a bit better. Mm. What looks technically really good when you've got space in front of you to run into, I think can be different when you're in tight space in midfield. Mm-hmm. So remember, and I know he's a great favourite of yours, mm. uh, the, the the legend that is Frank Lampard. Yeah. Uh, when Mourinho first turned up at Chelsea and wanted to play him in the Deco role and it turned out Lampard couldn't play with his back to goal because he's not technically good enough he's, he's, he was very good with the space in front of him to run, run into mm. so I'm not saying that, that Alexander-Arnold is technically lacking yeah. but it is a different skill to play with space in front of you to, to get the ball into feet with your back to goal and the turn and whether he can do that or not I don't know yeah. I, I just sort of think he's so good at right back at what he does you you sort of accept that is what he what he is, 
and you work out, well, how do we compensate? And maybe that means Fabinho has to drop in as a third centre-back sometimes. Maybe it means Jordan Henderson, whoever's playing on the right side of the midfield, has to tuck in behind him a bit more than he does. Mm. Although I think that actually that access of Henderson, Alexander Arnold... I mean, it's, it's, the thing is, that it's, worked, it's worked really well the whole season. But, yeah. like, but here we are at the end of the season, and it's Trent Alexander-Arnold can't defend. And I just can't believe how sick he must be of this, because he's, he's, you know, he's a brilliant player. He's played a brilliant season. It was the same thing last season. Again, it was Real Madrid. Again, you know, he got, no, no, he got no, done in that it's game. It's not the same thing at all. It, it, might, it might be the same noises coming out of people's mouths, but it's a totally different issue. Like, that was balls played in behind him. Hmm. And the reason those, that Tony Kroos was able to play those balls is because the press wasn't working. But, but so, my, my, my point, why it's similar, is like, which other playmaker uh, do you see, and that's what he is in the, the Liverpool team, do you see being criticised for, oh, well, you know, this guy can't defend. You don't, you don't hear people going, oh, well, De Bruyne, he's not much good going back. You don't hear, uh, you know, Mesut Ozil when he was getting all the assists. People go, well, you know, he's, he's no good defending. Well, I suppose people yeah, didn't say did, a lot. They said, they, they, said different, they said different things about Ozil, but it wasn't like he was expected to be the last line defence at the same time as he, was the, as he was the creative player in the team. I, I, just think it's, I just think it's crazy. It's crazy to put all that pressure on, on one player and he should be free to concentrate on, his, on what he's best at which is creative well that, yeah, okay, that, that, that's one way of looking at it I think the other way to look at it and if I was Klopp and I was wanting, you know, wanting to say to Alexander don't worry about this it is he is pioneering a new way of playing that position yeah. and it will public opinion will lag because they don't and, and so what what the public think the public are largely idiots <laughs> Here we are. It's yeah. finally, finally, we're getting <laughs> No, but I mean, what did it say for you? <laughs> from, from, from Klopp's point of view, the public don't get football. Klopp will be saying Alexander Arnold, don't worry about all this noise, all these people on Twitter. Yeah. Just <laughs> look at kind of what you, what you do for me, and worry about what I'm telling you to do. The one thing I would just to um, back, back up Ken's point a little bit. The question is that. It's not important for Liverpool, I'd say, or so, uh, that's not important for Liverpool, but it actually is important for Alexander-Arnold's England career, especially with this being a World Cup, because this is ultimately why Southgate has always had reservations, because he does, he, he, basically Southgate doesn't use his full-backs in the way Alexander-Arnold is best at. He yeah. wants someone more. Well, and, and, and he has, he has Rhys James, who yeah. offers a, is, you know, is a better defensive right-back. He's pretty good at attacking right-back yeah, as well. I mean, He's a very good attacking right-back. If Liverpool had Rhys James, they could move Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield. I mean, yes, that, yeah, yeah, that's true, but... Why would they sign Rhys James? To move, to, to, create, to move Trent into midfield, uh, you know, it's, it would be expensive. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, okay. That, that, maybe that's gone as far as I can. But the one uh, thing, just to finish on Liverpool, I want to ask is um, this Manny thing, I feel like it leaves a bit of a bad taste. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, it came out of nowhere. And he, and he said... Well, he said those... Um, he, he said during the week, oh, we'll have the best answer for you during the week. And, and, and it sort of sounded like it's going, to be a, it's going to be the answer you want to hear, which I assume for most of the people there was, I'm, I'm saying, say Queda. Uh, and instead it's, I'm going to Byron. You know, that, that's, that's it for me. You know, and, and soon, you, I, can, I can so see Mane in a couple of years doing an interview like Courtois going, nobody respected me in England. You know, no, I didn't get enough respect. I mean, does he realise just how far Munich is from the sea? <laughs> well, he, he, you know, he, he did well just across the seas or mountains or lakes. It's there, you know, there's, there's a couple of says around there, we could say. But Mane has, has kind of screwed Liverpool a little bit here. I, I mean, Mane has screwed Liverpool? Like, Liverpool have allowed his contract to run down so he's only got a year left and they've put themselves in a position where they're, they're hostage to this. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Mane's got every... 
yeah. Like any player, he's got every right to. Are you are you surprised by by sort of the way that he the way that he's played it? No, not especially. I mean, I think uh, to to not want to rock the boat immediately before the Champions League final is is actually probably the right thing to do. Uh, but, but, but his answer is actually kind of ended up rocking the boat. Yeah. Because he, he, he left this kind of trail, this, well, I've got a big announcement coming. Had he said on Wednesday, whenever he was asked the question, ah, actually, I'm off, that, that would have rocked the boat a lot more. Yeah. yeah. OK, um, you, we started off talking about whether Liverpool are a great team. Real Madrid have won all the Champions Leagues, you know, more Champions Leagues than you can take a stick at. They've also won the league this season, uh, which they haven't always done. They, they did it in 2017 as well, I think, when they won the Champions League. But, you know, trophy after trophy after trophy, proving everyone wrong, proving me wrong, certainly repeatedly, beating all the, the top teams. I mean, if you, if you look at the teams they've beaten, a lot of people would say they're the four top teams in Europe, and they beat them one after the other. Um, so surely they're a great team. Well, yeah, it's the hardest, hardest modern Champions League run, we'd say. Basically, champions of France and wealthiest club in the world, along with Man City. Man City, but also not just Man City, the um, the, t- the first, second, and third place teams in the wealthiest league in the world. Mm. Uh, it's impressive. Um, the circumstances make it even more so. Uh, where what? I think they were only ahead for twenty seven percent. Well, I know this because I just did it about an hour ago. Twenty seven percent of their um, of their of their knockout size, uh, but, but we're behind for thirty six percent. Figures that at this point mean nothing. Um, but do we, do, there was an interesting comment last night from Ancelotti where he goes, um, it's, it, "Real Madrid is the easiest club to win Champions League at because of the history, because of the identity, because of the affinity for the competition." And I, I was I was lucky enough to be at all their knockout games, mm. and it was undeniably okay for all. There's been this kind of modern trend to dismiss psychology in football, right? Like you could see it. It just, particularly in the games against Manchester City and Paris Saint Germain, where you had two clubs because of their kind of complexness competition, they feared defeat. Whereas Madrid kind of just like there was something primal, like they, they don't they, get rattled. Yeah, yeah, and that is. I mean, are they to go back to your question? Are they a great team? I mean, I've always kind of when they were winning those those four Champions Leagues in five years in the Ronaldo era. Like kind of bar 2017, like kind of perpetually argued they weren't because they didn't add the league as well. Mm. And yeah, I, just, <laughs> I mean, this isn't a strong Spanish league. That's a big caveat to that. Mm. They've had Barcelona, who've been a disaster for half the season and are still a work in progress. Atletico Madrid, who are what they are now and old. Like, so, and, and Madrid are almost kind of default winners in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, I mean, I, I would actually more say, and like, I, I actually openly argue now, Liverpool and Manchester City are better teams than Real Madrid still. Yeah. Oh, I've been saying it all year, much yeah. to my embarrassment. Uh, it's, it's a cup competition, and then the cup competitions, they're only occasionally won by the better teams, mm. uh, just because of the, the very nature of them. Ancelotti clearly has an aptitude, probably more so than any other manager in history, for navigating these games and for kind of drawing out performances from players. Just um, In a way, he does not, because it's one of the interesting things about Ancelotti now. He spent, what, two decades, or at least 16 years, say, at the wealthiest club in every country he's played in but mm. only has five league titles mm, yeah. now he has four Champions Leagues yeah because he you know you can't do it every week but you can do it for when it counts and that's why he's yeah. winning the main trophy uh, just uh, just lastly um, obviously the game was delayed last night and there was a crazy situation which caused that to happen and I know that you were both already well inside the stadium by the time these problems started to happen no we're not really I mean the problems were apparent. I turned up at four o'clock. And the uh, already at four. Yeah, but you, you could. So, 
I, 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 I mean, the the geography of the stadium is significant for this. Yeah. So, the the media entrance is gate U, and the the gate well, the, the majority of Liverpool Football Club is gate Z. So they're, they're close to each other. They're the southwest corner of the stadium. Yeah. So you naturally approach that coming to um, southwest. Corner. Yeah, uh, Stade de France Saint Denis, yeah. the RER Line D station, and the the problem there, the reason why that that uh, access is more difficult than the rest of the stadium is you've got a huge six-lane road mm. and so you have to cross the road and then it's slightly squeezed in mm. and so as you came along there they had when I came along at four o'clock-ish so five hours before kick-off you had two police vans parked over the pavement creating this kind of very narrow funnel and I assumed at four o'clock it was because they just dropped a load of people off and yeah. they'd be moving but it turned out they were still there all night yeah. and that was part of the supposedly the the, the you know the, the physical the, yeah, to, to, to try and kind of check people's tickets yeah. so um, I mean I, I know Miguel's got loads of kind of good information on, on kind of the specific problems caused by the, the rail strike yesterday but even at four o'clock there was a little bit of I mean a, yeah, a bottleneck for the handful of journalists and fans who turned up then it was in no sense dangerous or serious but it was like this is a bit annoying. I, God, yeah. they, I, they better shift them. Yeah, yeah. I know they didn't shift them. Well, it, it should be out on the independent now. By the time this comes out, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to read it. But specifically, I was told from speaking to people involved in fans groups and around the stadium all day was the primary issue in the day. Although it was described to me as a domino effect, where one issue kind of yeah, um, yeah. But the main one was at the very start there were strikes on in France. That meant the main station that has 12 corridors for Liverpool, that would have been used for Liverpool fans was closed so they went through another station which only had four corridors and this was a situation that, as it was put to me there was no reaction to this which, which station do you mean? Uh, um, they went to the B line yes the so, B line so, yes, so yeah, the D yeah. line's not one to arrive at there was a limited number of trains going there and, and so they were redirected to the B line and the B line has these, these fewer corridors yeah, than, yeah, than the D line yeah, yeah and then basically it was an hour before anyone realised and before then, it was too late. So it was literally, it could have been as simple. Had there been enough awareness, enough logistics in the stadium, the Liverpool fans were told, were, were kind of fuddled down an area 400 metres down from where they were, mm. a lot of these problems would have been alleviated. Yeah. But then, of course, what, what happened was, there's a huge build-up. Um, one problem compounds with the other. And as was put to me as well, kind of chaos attracts chaos a little bit. That saw a lot of, and again, the, the, the FSA are on record in this saying, there were, a lot, there were fans with their tickets, there were uh, fans with fake accreditations, and there were fans trying to jump in, but they were actually lesser than previous finals. Yeah. Let, so it, that, that wasn't the cause Th- of it. Those are all kind of normal, yeah. normal things that you get at match like this, and, yes. and the organisation is supposed to deal with them. Because you, because you get this, this bottleneck, because you get this, this um, build-up of people, they then lift the check to, 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 to alleviate that, yeah. which then means that these people without the correct tickets are getting close to the stadiums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they don't know whether they can just hop over the fence. Yeah, yeah. And it seems that a lot of the people who hopped over the fence were locals. That, that, that's, you know, from the videos and as far as you can tell what people are wearing, you know, they, 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 they look like they're locals rather than Liverpool so fans. It's going to be another um, uh, one of the Premier League teams booing the UEFA anthem for the rest of the time, I suppose. Why were the Real Madrid fans booing it? Did you? Uh, yeah. they... I assume that's related to the Super League. So they, they're like, we hate, we hate you, we want the Super League. <laughs> well, even, even though we're just celebrating this, this trophy that we all... I don't need your thinking competition, but yeah. I will win it one more time. <laughs> okay, Miguel, Jonathan, thank you very much. Cheers. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flame hair, flame hair, flame throw of truth, Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Every so often I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around and bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, Owen. Yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Yeah, nice bit of context there from the guys on the, well, the shambles, the shambolic organisation that led to all those issues that the crowd and in particular the Liverpool fans faced in and around the mm. stadium can I don't know if you had any any direct experience of that I did yeah yeah no I'm not not of the the major problems but I did I did go through that point where all the problems started um so this was if you're going to the stadium there's the Ori or B or or D the Ori or D was the one that most people were taking the D um when you go for it's 1.2 kilometers southwest of the stadium so when you go to the stadium you have to go across the motorway. Jonathan was saying this. But you, you, when I was doing it, you go through a tunnel. There was That was like a huge wait as people are kind of, you know, this big crowd is trying to go down this narrow tunnel and people are waiting to go down the steps and then sort of going through. And then when they get to the other side, you go into this bridge and that's where you come to this ticket check. And that was another huge delay. And people are standing there going, what is going on? You know, this is crazy. Like, what, why can't we just go through? But they're checking tickets to make sure that people who, everyone who goes up to the actual stadium concourse, and this isn't inside the stadium fence. This is like the outer perimeter of the Stade de France. You know what I mean? It's just a sort of big, you know, you can walk around the Stade de France, um, but you know, we're not talking about inside the actual fence. Um, but they, they just don't want to allow anyone up there who doesn't have a ticket. This was taking ages. And so it t- I arrived at like around six o'clock and it's, and I ended up getting into the stadium at like half six, but people who arrived even only 15 minutes after me found that they, uh, someone tweeted me saying, basically we got there at six fifteen and only got in at nine. And that's, yeah. So that's for, that's so, 15 that, minutes. so that's people getting in almost three hours in advance of kickoff. Yeah, and you to. can imagine, right, how people, how the mood is in a crowd that's apparently not moving anywhere and they've all paid a fortune to be at the final and they're, they're about to miss the final. Yeah. Like the final is going to start as far as they know. You know, they actually delayed the final of the Super Bowl by 36 minutes. Um, so it was it was like incredible that that the sort of such a big crowd was being made to go through such a, like you just, it's just mathematics. Like it's not going to, mm. this is not going to work. You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of, a, it was a mad 
situation. And then, you know, inside the ground, which is where I was, obviously, at this point, you could see the Roundtree end is full and the, the players are warming up. And there's like, the Liverpool end is half empty. You know, this looks like an Ireland friendly. Mm. You know, in the <laughs> this is this does not look like a Champions League final. Like I'd seen, you know, in Madrid and, and in Kiev, the Liverpool fans were in there in the stadium, of course, like an hour beforehand to sing and like, you know, experience the kind of Champions League final atmosphere. And there instead it was this empty thing. And you could see some of the players sort of looking up at it going, Where what's going on here? Like what's there's obviously a problem. Which the whole the whole Last hour of build-up, I think, for Liverpool, maybe through them. I mean, it must—it obviously must have thrown around it as well. Imagine you have to warm up twice. It was—it was, you know, all of this. Come on, lads, we're ready. We're ready to go. And everyone's kind of just about to explode into this game. And then suddenly the game isn't happening, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" You know, this is confusion. Meanwhile, the police are out. Like the French police, their answer to everything is just tear gas and pepper spray. That's just—they've never seen a problem they didn't think could be solved. You know, any problem is like, well, anything to be gained by lobbing some tear gas into this situation. You know, that's just their whole their whole outlook. I don't know if you saw this unbelievable footage, by the way, from the Saint-Étienne game. The Saint-Étienne Stadium, Geoffrey Guichard, no. that they were playing against Auxerre and they lost. Was it a relegation playoff? I'm not sure exactly, but they lost the game, which meant that they're relegated. And it's the craziest pitch invasion I've ever seen. Mm. But it's not, it's not, it's, it wasn't like a pitch invasion where people are just running onto the pitch going, oh, we're in the pitch. It was like, uh, the Normandy landings, like uh, we we we've all got a, a target in mind, and we've all got weapons, um, and we're now going to converge from all areas of the pitch and and hurl our flares and whatever else we've got at like the dugouts and the tunnel and the sort of referees and that whole that sort of whole nerve center of the game. It's it's incredible. Like I've I've honestly never seen. Yeah, it was. It's scary. I've never seen a thing it's like really, it. Really, really scary to look at. Yeah. This stuff apparently has been happening in French football all, all season. I mean, they've had like numerous sort of riots and disturbances. And I was games. I was watching the the players, uh, and they knew what was coming as well. Like they like the the winning penalty goes in, and very few of them are hanging around to like you know run to the run to the guy who scored or anything. Like a ton of them just run straight to the tunnel. Basically, they run to the dugout and then from the dugout straight down the tunnel. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was. That was crazy. I mean, whatever the the, the the sort of strong arm tactics of the police don't seem to have um, quelled that. I mean, obviously in France, you've had for for a couple of years now, you've had like the protest movement. Of, I mean, a couple of years, like four must be four years, four or five years. The yellow vests movement, um, and that's and and what you've seen is like f- civil disorder, you know, all over the place with poli- confrontations between the police and protesters, but. You know, which again, it's usually clubs, tear gas, and all the rest of it. Um, but rather than sort of quell or stamp down on this, you know, suppress this sentiment, it it actually just seems to breed violence. If anything, you know, it's kind of like I mean, uh, again, I'm not sort of suggesting. Well, you know, how would you police this, uh, Monsieur Early? You know, what would what would your suggestion be? You know, what should we do? Uh, you know, should we have a like a group therapy? You know, uh, look, you know, the police. Uh, I'm not saying that you know there's never any situations where the police aren't required to sort of impose order by force, but like, you know, what they were doing at the there was there's footage of like the the kind of most innocent looking fans you can imagine 
kind of coming. I saw this one particular of this kid, like he, he must be like, he's a young guy. He's coming in and he's kind of, he looks a little bit nervous and he's kind of got this, like, he's got something in his hand, which I assume is sort of his ticket and he's trying to go to the turnstile. And this guy just steps forward and pepper sprays him. He's not even looking at this guy. He, never mind attacking the person who pepper sprays. But, you know, you see footage like that. And you're like, well, this is like. The, the, the sport, there's, like even this morning, there's quotes from the sports minister. Uh, what we have to re- again blaming Liverpool fans with no tickets or with yeah, I mean, fake tickets. Like, you know. What we really have to bear in mind, I'll just say, is is uh, so. What's her name? It is French sports minister Amélie Udea Castera says. What we really have to bear in mind is that what happened first of all was this mass gathering of the British supporters of the Liverpool club without tickets or with fake tickets. When there are that many people by the entrance to the stadium, there will be people trying to force their way in through the doors of the Stade de France. And then she mentions an, a number of local youths getting involved as well but primarily the problem being with the the liverpool fans turning up without yeah without well i mean right you know it's an, it's an easy uh, target for an incompetent authority to blame oh this is just a bunch of uh this is just a bunch of english uh, hooligans who came along you know it's i mean it's it's like people oh yeah well we know what they're like you know it's an easy target and you know for authorities to do this it's it's not even just french people who'll be convinced by that i mean i what i was surprised by was looking at like in uh, actually in the stadium, I saw a tweet from Kelly Cates, which was one of the sort of first um, s- tweets from the people outside, sort of saying, "Oh, you know, this is crazy. What's going on here?" And she had said something like, "This is a dangerous situation. You know, what's going on?" And I just looked at some of the um, responses or quote tweets to that, and like they were nearly all, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." I suppose it's it's always the victims here. You know, always the victims. Like uh, that's a you know a reference to sort of to Hillsborough. You know, a kind of a reference to the to the uh, like it's it's incredible to me that that but that's the that's the immediate reaction it's like oh who you know who's whose fault is it going to be this time or people are going oh look at the real madrid fans they're all in but like it's only one set of fans who can't seem to get in you know the reason for that was that the real madrid fan zone was just in, just there behind where they were sitting in the stadium it's just over there the liverpool fan zone was 10 kilometers away it was in like it was a totally different part of town why is that because they expected loads more liverpool fans to come so they needed a much bigger area i guess that's the, that's the justification um, the Liverpool fans were all arriving on this train, which is Miguel was saying um, the train services were constricted as well because of the of the strike. So um, but but I just saw in that sort of uh, immediate sort of the, the you know, it's not just people who the French authorities are trying to make forget about this. Who'd be like, yeah, yeah English. There's, there's loads of people from the same country who'd be like, oh, you know, Liverpool. You know, we know how it is. And so you can see how easy it was for the sun to get away with it. You know what I mean? Like, the, when you're telling people what they want to hear, they'll believe they'll believe anything. You know, but the fact is that the situation was, the organization was a disaster. If it had been, if it had been switched, if Real Madrid had been at that end of the stadium, it might have been Real Madrid in, in that situation. I mean, if there'd been the same number of people coming from the same station, I can't, I can't imagine how it would have been, how it would have mathematically been any different uh, than what it was. I certainly didn't see any evidence of you know, disorder or violence uh, from the Liverpool fans. I did see one or two people who didn't seem to have tickets being pushed away by the by the um, by the mm. stewards. You know, I don't know whether they had tickets or whether the tickets were fake or didn't pass didn't pass muster or whatever. But the stewards are saying, "You go." You know, you shouldn't be here, and they're saying, "Oh, what are you talking about? I'm coming in." You know, so there was a bit of that, but that's always going to happen. The point is, that's always going to happen, and that's what the organisation is supposed to be able to deal with, and it clearly wasn't able to do so. Ken, last question. Now you got to get, get your flight, but I mm. must ask you, who's going to win next season's Champions League? <laughs> <laughs> who's going to win next season's Champions League? Well, I'm going to go for this for the uh, for the number one team in Europe. Go on, it's Manchester City. <laughs> this is their year. Owen. Oh, 
<laughs> this is their year. And what about the reigning uh, champions? Would you give them a chance? Uh, no, I no mean, chance. Come on. I don't. I, I. I mean, again, you know, this is this is a nice. Uh, it's a nice rush of um, uh, barbiturates through the bloodstream of Real Madrid. You know, oh, we won the Champions League. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Mbappe didn't go there for a reason. Um, I mean, about 600 million reasons or whatever you could say. But uh, they still have to come up with a plan. Um, you know, who, who's, who's going to go? Are they going to try and win the Champions League again next season with, with Modric and Benzema? Maybe, you know. Maybe they maybe they know something that we don't know. That plan's gone pretty well so far, you'd have to say. One, one second, Murphy. Just got to leave some space here so that Simon can easily edit these oh, for hot sorry, keys for next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, obviously. Yeah. Just make sure your audio is nice and clear there, Ken. Make the editing <laughs> process as easy yeah. as possible. No, I th- you know everyone will be watching Real Madrid with interest to see how they um, how they boost the team ahead of next season. We know that what the plan was, and that plan isn't going to happen. So now we need a new plan. So everyone's waiting to see what is the plan. Ken, if you can fight your way out through the rat infestation there to the airport, best of luck to you and we'll see you during the week. Excellent uh, reportage. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci, Kieran. Merci, uh, merci, merci Murphy. Au revoir. Ken. Merci, everybody. We'll talk to you again during the week. We'll have plenty of more football coverage during the week, I should say, and throughout the summer as well. So watch this space. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 